Yo, yo, my name is Big Lou, and you are now listening to Go Produce. We're the show that explores how music industry professionals turn their passion into profits. In this episode, we've got Jay Westman, who is now a family man with over 20 years of drumming experience, which is taking him on tours across Canada, Japan, Australia, and the US. The Go Produce focus of this episode is, what is the process that you went through developing as an artist, broken down step by step? If you want to know what it's like to tour internationally, or you want to learn more about life after doing so, then this episode is for you. All right, thank you, Jay, so much for being here. I want you to know, I want you to know that we very much do appreciate your time. So let's go ahead and make the most of this and go produce. Listeners, let me tell you who we've got in store for you today. Jay is a family man who's been playing drums for over 20 years. His old band, The Weeknd from the 1990s, sold a song to Disney for the movie Freaky Friday in the 2000s. Throughout this period, he has spent time touring Canada, the US, Australia, and Japan. He has also spent a number of years teaching drums. He is currently endorsed by Peace Drums and Marat Daryl Cymbals. Also currently, he plays in the Canadian band Red Arms and is called in as a live fill-in for local bands and session work when available. Jay Westman, Welcome to the show. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yes, yes. We're very happy to have you here. Like I said, though, let's waste no more time and get going. Let's go produce. First segment of the show is called The Basics. <laughs> let's get it going. <laughs> that was an attempt at uh, trying a signature dance, but we'll see what happens if it sticks or not. <laughs> What we're going to do with the basics is we're going to run through some simple questions so that we can get to know you a little bit better and we can understand where we're going to go with this. All right. Sounds good. Beautiful. Beautiful. Started off with this one. What is your first musical memory? Whew. Uh, first one would be, so my, uh, my grandfather or Papa was, a he was a big band orchestra leader. So it was Lionel Thornton and the castle, uh, castle Royal orchestra. So uh, they used to play around Ontario Store Club in Saint uh, in Port Stanley, uh, Wonderland Gardens in Wonderland. And my first memory, honestly, is going to these Sunday dances where it was like you know a nickel to dance, and it a was nickel. Like, it was like five cents to or ten cents to get on the dance floor back in those days. Um, but we would go for you know like Mother's Day, they'd have a big blowout dance, and my papa's band would play. It was him and Guy Lombardo back in the day. So. One of my earliest memories was he played stand-up bass and he was you know one of the singers and he'd hire a bunch of like local uh, teachers musicians at schools and they would he was gone every weekend so one of my first memories was honestly going to one of these things and seeing him up on stage and it was like it was awesome so that that, that was almost it became the norm for you going out of your way to this event and seeing all this yeah it's safe and to say it did mold you a bit Totally. Uh, and I mean, he, he passed away before I actually started playing drums, which is crazy, um, and got into music. But it was always the seed was kind of obviously already there and it was already in the family. But yeah, it was I mean, and it was so cool. That stuff was just awesome. It was so cool. That era was amazing. Yeah, very awesome. I, I swear, no matter how many guests we end up getting on this show, you can always ask that question. and You will always get a different answer, which is kind of cool. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Tell us what it means to be endorsed. Uh, just, just, just a basic understanding so that we're all on the same page moving forward. Yeah, so it's it's basically getting to a situation where either the band is large enough, um, or you're touring enough, or you've got the right connections to to really get some sort of a discount up to all the way up to free uh, gear, um, which is huge when when you're uh, a starving musician uh, and, and don't have money. And drum stuff, I mean, everything costs a ton of money. So uh, it, it, it means a lot, but it means cheaper or, or up to free gear, which is huge when you're touring a lot and, and smashing and breaking stuff. And that's something you come across as your career develops. It's not something that a starting up artist runs into. Yeah, you got to work for it unless you've got a connection, right? So uh, you got to pay your dues. And, and, you know, a lot of it comes to you or when you get on a label or a publishing deal, you get more connections. And that's kind of how those things work. Um, or, I mean, you can, in, in this day and age, get online, go to, you know, a, you know, a symbol website, 
and submit. Uh, and then hopefully they get back to you and you might get a discount. But uh, I mean, the larger the band, the more you're touring, the cheaper the stuff will be. I hear you. What does it look like specifically for you with Peace Drums and Marat Daryl Cymbals? Yeah, great question. So I, I've been with, <laughs> I've been with Peace now since 2002, 2003. Um, yeah, long, long, long time. Um, and really, it was, it was. <laughs> It was a connection through uh, a guy that I know that's involved with the Bare Naked Ladies that I worked with randomly at an HMV. It's a, it's a weird story, um, but he knew that we, we got time for a story. Yeah, yeah, well, that's <laughs> uh, he knew that I was the band I was in at the time. The weekend um, was we had a EMI publishing deal and we and we were touring a lot. Um, so there's visibility for any type of endorsement company, right? So um, he got me in contact with this guy that was a rep with Peace. Um, we happened to be on tour and we're out in California. He came and saw a show and actually endorsed me prior to the show. And then when he was out there, he's like, oh man, you guys were better than I thought. I wish I had given you, given you a full ride, which meant free. And I was getting like something crazy, like 70% off list or something, which is like a smoking deal. But after that, I was like, well, dude, you can rewrite the contract. Right? <laughs> it's like, I'm it's here. I'll sign late. anything. <laughs> but, so, and I've been with them ever since. And, and actually this, a scary thing that, you know, it depends probably on the situation, but when I left the weekend, I was scared to call yeah. him and tell him cause I didn't want to lose it. And the coolest part was that I called and I was like, okay, I'm not, I left the band. And I figured it was done. It was a done deal. And he goes, you know what, dude, we, we signed you, not the band you're in. When? We're endorsing you as a musician and a drummer, not because you were like, you're in the weekend and you were touring a lot, but, and they've been with me ever since. So pretty That's a cool. happy story. Yeah, That's absolutely. a happy story. Cool. Very cool. So you got, you got the endorsements because you spent a lot of time developing the skill of a drummer. Absolutely. <laughs> How did you learn the drums? Uh, I, I started late. Uh, I didn't start playing drums actually until I was 17, which is pretty late. Um, I didn't play in high school. None of that stuff. I didn't take music. What was it that got you going? Uh, (laughs) I, uh, I just bought a foosball table on layaway. That's how old I am. Um, and, uh, no comment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can, you can Google it later. Um, you you look young enough that you don't know what it is. No, um, thank you. No uh, comment on that either. <laughs> a buddy of mine uh, said his buddy was starting a punk rock band. And I'm like, well, I'll play drums. He's like, but you don't have drums. I'm like, yeah, but I've always wanted drums. So I sold my foosball table that I'd had for like six months, borrowed money from my uncle and, you know, went into the ads in the London Free Press in, the, in a penny saver back then, looking through the musical instruments section, uh, called up my cousin, who was the only dude I knew that played drums and said, like, it, it, are these good? I don't know. Um, bought a drum kit. And um, at the same time, the guy that was selling them also was in in the works with a guy that taught drums. So it was like, hey, buy my drums, take this guy's card if you want to learn. So it was like a two for one where I got I got my first set of drums and then had a contact to start to learn because I wanted to learn how to read music. Um, most drummers don't. To be honest with you, in my years of teaching, they don't. Um, but that's kind of how it all started for me and, and how I got my first drum kit and brought it downstairs and I could play. And my parents were like, shit, we should have probably got him drums 10 years ago when he asked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Now, before we move on, I know, I know we made a little bit of a joke about it, but for our young audience, mm. can you describe what layaway is? <laughs> Yeah, it's when you don't have money and you want something, um, they will let you pay in basically installments. So this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I want this, but I can't pay for it. It's 500 bucks. I will come in and give you $30. You can, basically I could go in whenever I had extra money. And then when I eventually owned it, um, then I got to take it home. Yeah. And they got to take it home, yeah. So it that keeps is the fire older than me, Luis. Is very, that? very old. Very old. Before <laughs> your time. <laughs> no need to rub it in, man. Walmart in the States does it actually. Still to this day. I think they do, which doesn't surprise me. 
Interesting. Any money they can get. <laughs> Yo, I, you're not, I hear you. Yes. You mentioned it was a punk rock band that your friends were starting. Is that, is that where you followed like the genre that you, that you stuck with throughout your whole experience? No, absolutely not. Actually. Um, once I started to go to drum lessons and learn different styles of music, that's that's what to me encompassed being a musician, right? I didn't want to be a one-trick pony. And to be honest, with my with my attention span at the time, it was just same punk rock beats over and over and over, and then just messing around with different drum fills. It got kind of after a while, it was like, okay, I can do this, and not not for any other reason other than I wanted to expand my musical uh, genres. I I tended to jump into different types of bands. Uh, solely because I wanted to learn different stuff. Um, teaching drums eventually was a huge component to that because you don't, you can teach is what you want, but kids are going to ask you to do certain stuff, learn certain songs, and it gets you out of, you know, you're, if you're narrow-minded, it's going to really open you up. And I worked at a record store the whole time too. So I was exposed to all kinds of music. My parents played music in the house all the time. So I wasn't like one of those punk rock. That's all I want. Like I was into that stuff because I skateboarded and you know, played in a punk rock band, but um, yeah, as far as for learning different styles, like that was huge for me. So I, I tended to jump in into different types of bands. Uh, it's very interesting. Even if you did want to focus and, and really hone in your attention on punk rock, testing out different genres will help you develop that skill even more. I wonder though, is there anything that you do today other than testing out different genres to challenge yourself? It's harder yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, it's harder as I get older because I have less time. Um, so I was lucky, obviously, when I was younger, I was, uh, you know, once I started playing and we got our first noise complaint at the house and the cops showed up, my dad went and spent all the money to soundproof the basement. God knows how much <laughs> that cost back then. But it was like, he didn't even think about it. Soundproofed it. It would jam all the time. And there was a point where I could play every CD that I owned in my CD collection at the time because I would just go downstairs at any time I wanted, close the door, and I could just play. Um, so now it's a little bit trickier. Um, I don't have a drum kit at my current house. I've got two drum kits at two different spaces, one with Red Arms, who I'm currently in, and one with another band and a couple other bands that I'm working with on the side now, um, but nothing at home. I've got a practice pad, but they get boring. They get boring pretty quick. Um, yeah. So I just try to listen to different music, and obviously I hone into the drums being a drummer. And then if I hear stuff that's cool, then you know when I'll go to, to practice or a session, that's what I'll try to work on when I'm warming up to try and op kind of continue to expand kind of, I guess my arsenal of like drum fills and, and beats and stuff. That's very cool. That makes very sense. cool. Yeah. It is, I mean, it is an element that you have to, to practice to get better. You mentioned your grandfather earlier being like the limelight of the show. Yeah. Perhaps he was a musical inspiration previously, perhaps he still is, but is there anyone that you consider to be your biggest musical inspiration, especially since you've ventured through so many genres? That's a good question. Um, I really don't. Um, I'm, I'm one of those guys where somebody asked me like, oh, let me guess, Neil Peart's like one of your favorite drummers. I'm like, I hate Rush. <laughs> I hate that band. I, I would, I would, <laughs> and I, I hate to say that, but like, give me rush without the vocals and maybe I'll get into it, but I just, you know, I'm big on vocals too, but I don't really have, um, I kind of shamelessly steal and borrow from, from bands and, and, and artists that I watch and see in styles and certain stuff. So, I mean, obviously big into live music, even just seeing a, a, an opening band and seeing some dude do something that you're like, Oh, how do you do that? Uh, gets the brain going and I'm immediately the next time I'm on my drum kick going, okay, he did what the and trying to figure it out or, or, or piece it together. So I think I think when you're when you're into music that much, it just it naturally happens all the time, and you don't stop. Yeah, it it it's almost a hunger you have to satisfy. It it doesn't stop. My I'm always tapping on stuff. My feet are always it, like it drives my wife nuts. But I mean, it's it's worse if I'm not active in bands. She'll tell me to like start another band because she's losing her mind. <laughs> but it just it doesn't turn off. But yeah, to answer your question, I, I don't really have any influences really, which is weird. Like, I mean, there's certain bands that I listened to when I started out uh, to get kind of an idea of drum fills and, and certain stuff. So, I've, I mean, Lagwagon Drummer was was awesome back in the day. No Effects, some of those bands when I started in, in punk rock, um, but then it evolved. So I would kind of do my homework if I was in a, like I joined a metal band, like shit, I don't play metal. 
Um, so I was like, okay, it's going to be, I'm going to be a guy in a metal band playing punk rock drums in a metal band and doing punk rock fills and it's, and it worked, but I would listen yeah. to other, I'm like, dude, what's, what are you guys listening to right now? And they're like, oh, this, this, I'm like, yeah, I should probably listen to this stuff. And then I would listen and go, okay, that's kind of the style. Okay. This is, these are the fills that are kind of metally fills, but at the same time, like you can cross over genres with that stuff. And that's kind of what I've always Even done. Even their vocals, you can cross over genres with their vocals. Sure. <laughs> let's take a pause and intermission here <laughs> that's hilarious so you're familiar with dream theater yes 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 i am how about mike portnoy's vocals uh see i was never i've never into dream theater i was into obviously courtney as a as a drummer um oh what about his drumming his drumming's awesome it's it's lights out it, it's, yeah. it's fantastic he, his time his signatures and everything are nuts right it, like those are those guys that's like that's like just, math metal. Just, let's just stop for a little second and just analyze the fact that louis asked for the vocals i am not gonna let this <laughs> yeah that's fair well, that's why I, that's why i kept moving on <laughs> see like like a good guest this is a great guest guys <laughs> well you you had a one in how many guys are in dream theater four one in five Courtney's the drummer, doesn't sing. Ask Louis. Ask Louis. He sure knows the yeah, names uh, of five. the guys. We're just five. moving on. You know, uh, <laughs> I got other questions. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's hilarious. Cool. I wonder, with all of this experience, do you ever experience imposter syndrome? Uh, elaborate. Like, as far as, like, feeling like I'm just emulating something else and just, like, kind of copycat like, or... Not not necessarily copycat, like, oh, damn, I'm really here. How is this happening? I didn't think that, like, it would grow to this magnitude. Should I even be here? Do I belong here? Like, are mm. they figuring out that I don't really know what I'm doing? All of that kind of stuff. You know, I, I've always been pretty confident in any of the situations I've been in. I mean, there's been instances when I was younger and we were on tour and maybe it was a larger venue or, you know, a first time on a big tour and stuff. And it's like, holy shit, like, hopefully this doesn't implode. Uh, hopefully, you know people like the band and I can continue to do this. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the confidence is a big piece of it too. Uh, I, I mean, if you practice in the band's tight and, and you sound good and you sound good live, not just on recording, then, I mean, people are going to be into you. And then if you stay active and depending on, you know, what genres are, 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 be, are popular at the time and everyone's attention spans, you can, you can, you can have a run at it. Right. So uh, I've always, you know, and I've dipped in all kinds of different scenes too. And that's, and there's, you know, subcultures and like, I mean, just like nuts for certain types of styles of music. And there's always going to be those little subgenres and, and almost like cult groups of people that are going to come out to those shows. I hear you. So, so if you do feel the nerves, the imposter syndrome kind of kicking in, Remind yourself that you deserve it. You're confident that you should be there and just go with it, have fun, but make sure there's, you do the, the work ahead of time, the practice work. You know, if, if you're underprepared it, and you get nervous, you're, toast. you're yeah. like, honestly, <laughs> like, I mean, if, if, you know, band plays the first show and it, and you, you should have waited a couple more months, you get the nerves when you're on stage, you play faster than you probably should. Everything gets sped up and you're going to forget stuff. You're going to get blurry. You're going to get, off track it, it happens uh but if if you take your time and you because everyone wants to go out and play but you've got you've got to spend your time you got to hone it yes i hear you seems like you're pretty busy with all of this stuff how and why do you find time to work as a filler do you um, like is it maybe working with different groups of people or yeah. what's going on yeah so i mean it's it's normally some of my buddies that I, I've known through the scene for years. They'll have a project and they and they might need drums on a couple of tracks. Uh, I'm going to go into the studio in a couple of weeks. A, a buddy of mine who I've done stuff for before uh, wants me to do a couple of tracks for for his band. Um, so he sends me the stuff. I practice it for a little bit. Go into the studio. Try and do it as quickly as possible because it's costing him money, uh, and and <laughs> it's costing him money to pay me to do it. So it's a double dip, right? He's paying for the studio and he's paying for me. So it's about just you know, doing my homework so I can go in there and, and bang out the tunes for them as quickly as possible. But yeah, I mean, it's, I do it because I want to do it. And I'll be honest, as I get older um, and, and priorities shift um, and I have less time to practice than when I was 20 and I could go downstairs and play for three hours a night, uh, which I can't do anymore. Um, 
I would rather be in the studio, to be honest with you, and in that environment, um, putting stuff on, on a record than, you know, playing a show for 50 people at, at Call the Office nowadays, if I had the choice, to be honest with you, right? Because yeah. I've done that so much that, and the studio is just, it's just fun. Yeah. It's fun. Nice. So being in a band and coming to the end of that isn't necessarily the end of your career? No, I would say it, it depends on what you want. I would also say it depends on how good you are. Um, I'm lucky enough that I'm a decent enough drummer where, uh, you know, I could probably be in, well, I'm normally in multiple bands uh, and, it, and it drives my wife nuts. Um, but I mean, I, I could be probably in three, four other bands right now if I wanted to. Um, and, and parts of me is like, yeah, I could probably do that. Yeah, I could fit it in, right? I've only got two kids and a wife and a, and a full-time job. I could probably do that. Do not uh, do that. But part of me, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it's like 20, 22-year-old me gets in there and goes, yeah, man, you can do this. Yeah, you can go out every night and still play drums. But it's, so I pick my spot. So I get to kind of pick who I want to play with um, and who I want to spend my time with, right? So, That's awesome. Yeah. Perfect, perfect, perfect. That draws a conclusion to this segment. Let's move on to the second segment. The second segment is called Speed Round. We're going quick. <laughs> In this segment, what we're going to do is I'm going to be throwing 20 simple questions at you, and you have to answer them with just one word. Yes, no, this or that. Very simple. Afterwards, you do get the chance to clarify. Cool? Okay, cool. All right. That's the Speed Round. <laughs> Let's give her going. <clears throat> Does your birthday always happen on the same day? Yes. Snare open or closed? Closed. <laughs> Are you a night owl or an early riser? Oh, night owl. Do you play any instruments, other instruments? Uh, no. Does Will Ferrell look like Chad Smith? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Caffeine or nah? All the hot pots, fresh pots, all of them. <laughs> Does the tension on your floor, Tom, slinky or tight? Uh, I'll go mid slink tight. <laughs> Would you go on tour internationally again if the opportunity arose? 100%. Yeah. Dessert before dinner? Why not? Best brand of drum hardware is? Ooh, ooh, pass. <laughs> Would you rather hear the good news or the bad news first? The bad. Would you rather have a rewind button or a pause button on your life? No. Either. Wouldn't want either one. Pinball is the greatest game ever invented. Oh, yes, Brad, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Brad. <laughs> Do UFOs have a weight limit for carry-on luggage? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Work hard or play hard? Uh, both. Has anybody ever photoshopped your face onto a bunny? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ninjas or pirates? What? What was that Ninjas. One? Yeah, it was pretty elusive. Ninjas or pirates? Well played. Um, <laughs> the pirates. Neat or on the rocks? Uh, neat. Summer, winter, fall, or spring? Well, there's only, there's only winter and summer. There's only two <laughs> seasons now, so I'll say summer. Fair. I, fair. <laughs> Your favorite artist is? Uh, currently, the Menzingers. The Menzingers. Yeah, they're from Philadelphia. That's what I'm listening to right now. I can't stop. Interesting. Maybe we put them on after, see what it sounds like. Really good. That band. brings us <laughs> to the end of Speed Round. Oh, I missed the, the ding. We're going to have some fun with that. <laughs> Post-sync. <Okay>. Post-sync, <laughs> yeah. Let's see what happens. Jay, I got a, I got a couple of ones that I want to ask about, but I'm curious. Do you have any clarifications if you've remembered any? Don't remember. Those 20. Too nope. old. No. Nope. Okay. Went too fast. Okay. <laughs> let's do, let's do <laughs> the tension of your floor, Tom. You said mid slink. Well, yeah, it was slinky and it was, it was tight, right? So it's like that, I'll be honest, that drove me nuts. That question was actually really specific because it's like my pet peeve. Anyone that's a drummer or a studio guy, tuning floor toms suck. Um, once you get them dialed in, fantastic. But uh, so it's, yeah, too tight. It sounds like crap too loose and it sounds flat. So it's like, that's why I kind of said mid, you want to have a little bit of flex to it, but 
uh, it's it comes down to personal preference. But that that question actually in my head, like my mind exploded when you when you asked me that question. I was like, that's so ah. funny. That's yeah, because so they stuck perfect. Two, but uh, we did a good job with yeah, that. So thing. that drove me nuts. That was a good question. <laughs> my next question is, uh, who who is Brad? I gave him a shout out, but like, uh, just a guy. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? A- a- any good guy that'll get into a van and drive and help you carry home a pinball machine that weighs 300 to 350 pounds and put it in your basement is a is a solid dude so uh obviously yeah brad's brad's a buddy of mine that i met uh you know in my current my current job uh with td uh he's a pinhead he's a you know just uh, an all-around rad guy and again like without a moment's notice it was like hey i'm gonna go for two hours and drive you want to come with me and pick up a pinball machine and he was like yeah man when do we leave so Good and guy, he's Brad. stronger than me, so that helps. <laughs> Good guy, Brad. Saving the day. That's awesome. And and the last clarification I want for this is who who was this person that photoshopped your face onto a bunny? I mean, like, what was the circumstance? Yeah, that was Brad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was Brad. That was at work. Good guy, Brad. That, that was a that was a big big nice poster of me at work in front of er- for everyone to see on a on a on a wall in a department for everyone to see. Um, yeah, he got quite good at that uh, near the end of his time there when we were on the same team together. And uh, yeah, he killed it. It was pretty funny. Pretty That's funny. jokes. If Brad is listening to this, wherever you are, feel free to share that picture with us if you've got it. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's got multiple copies. <laughs> I don't think Jay might want this, but like, you know, it's okay. That's awesome. You can bring it out. It was well done. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Jay, that is the end of the speed round. Our next segment of the show is What's Yo Take? In this segment, I'm going to be providing you with quotes, statements, topics, and we ask you to only share your perspective, your opinion, so that we can grow as individuals. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. Getting a manager is an organic process. What's your take on that? Hmm. Uh, for bands, I would say it depends. Um, and, and I mean, it's, it's changed probably, uh, you know, in the 20 something years I've been doing it, but I mean, um, I'd say organic would be fantastic, uh, where you get approached just based on, you know, how the band's doing and and buzz and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I think there's different ways that it happens now. Um, I think there's, there's so many different more ways for bands to proactively reach out. Uh, versus having to be in the right place at the right time. Um, so I would say organic, yeah, would would be awesome if you're just in a spot where it's coming to you. But I would say a lot of the times, and especially now, like everyone's eager. Everyone wants to, you know, their their chance to to play music for a living. So it's a heck of a lot easier. Like when I was on tour, we didn't have cell phones. We had like a flip phone and our itinerary was like all printed out. It was all MapQuest. And we got paid in checks and they got deposited. Where nowadays it's like, you know, so if we didn't sell enough merch, we didn't have enough money potentially to eat tomorrow during the day on the drive to the next show because we had to wait for the check to clear. So it's like five business days. So nowadays it's all electronic. It's all, you got your money now. You swipe this, that at merch tables. The same with having more access in, 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 to, to management companies now. It's, it's, but it's trickier. There's like, it's oversaturated. So there's, you know, there's, it's a double-edged sword. It's easier to contact, but there's way more bands probably contacting than there would have been 20 years ago. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it depends on how you look at that one. Yeah. So it's, it's tougher to sell yourself or is it easier to sell yourself, sell yourself? I'd say it's easier to sell yourself, but there's more people selling themselves because it's easier. So, so you got to bring more just, value. You're in a larger pond. So you've, you've got to stand out. You've got to have you, the image needs to make sense. The song's got to be strong. Um, you know, the band needs to be strong as far as even personalities and how you get along. I've been in situations yeah. where they've asked how many members have been in the band because they're scared of turnover, right? If the band's oh. fighting and people are quitting all the time. They don't want to put money behind that because you guys could, right? So there's a lot that you have to think about. Personal drama. Yeah, how totally. Do you, so after, after you do set yourself apart from the crowd of other bands or artists, individual artists, and you bring value to a manager, potentially, how do you know that manager and yourself or your band will have the right chemistry? Yeah, you don't. Um, you really don't. Uh, I've been in situations where it, it works well and the communication's good. 
and I'll be honest, I've been in a horrible situations where um, you're not getting straight answers. There's conflicts of interest, um, but you're young and you're on the road and you're not spending any money. You might not be making money, but you're, but you know, I'm playing drums for you know three months on the road, and free drinks and free dinner and hotels and and then it, at the end of the tour, it's like, how much are we getting paid for every show? Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, let's ask the manager. It's like. Can I see the books? No, right? Like, I've, I've been there. So I, it really depends. I would say you really don't know. You have to, you have, if you get to a situation where you're lucky enough to, to, to be in a spot where you can get a manager, you got to try it. Um, Should you like almost set a time frame? Like enough's enough, make a decision and move on? Just want to play, you don't think about it. And then all of a sudden it could be, you want out and it's like well you signed here i got you for another year you can't release it i've seen i've seen some pretty pretty crazy stuff i mean good and bad so i mean you just got to do your research and you know just it's it's tough that's a tough question that's a really tough question i hear you so we're going to take a similar similar conversation but around agents is that an organic process um are you trying to sell say, yourself like are you out there looking for agents hunting them what does that look like that interaction as an artist or a band so my experience is normally the agents you know the manager or label um or publisher kind of kind of already has connections to agencies um and you're normally kind of put on one of those types of agencies once you're at a certain i guess level right so um because they're all about making their percentage, right? So um, a lot of it is, you know, kind of kind of back-end deals where, you know, it's a larger band that's on the publishing deal, say, um, and you're going to be opening support, right? It's, you know, you don't normally start headlining tours across Canada. You go open for somebody that's bigger than you and you get the opening spot for 30, 40 minutes. And you hope that, you know, you gain that band's fan, uh, that band's fans and, and, it, and it, keeps, it keeps organically growing. Um, when you get to a certain point where you got heads in the room uh, on your own, um, then that's normally when an agency or an agent would come uh, around um, because it's worth it for them, if that makes sense. You got to be making enough money and touring and be willing to be on the road in order for them to put the time in, for sure. Right, right, right. Interesting. Are there different characteristics or traits that you look for specifically in these individuals? So a manager, you want this and this and this and an agent, you want this and this and this. Transparency, man. Like, I mean, it's got to be someone that's also into the music. Like you can tell if someone's into it, you can tell if they kind of talk the lingo, if they actually know of the type of bands that you're talking about, the genre that you're into versus someone that's just sees dollar signs potentially. Um, yeah. They tend to be a little sketchier, uh, talk more about money versus like, to your point, kind of organically growing the band, um, seeing a vision, um, you know, and I would say some of that depends on how you're introduced too. but uh, yeah. But it doesn't vary between the different specific professions itself? Um, I, I would say that's a tough one. I would say it depends because there's so many different levels of, you know, like I, if you get someone that's new or you get someone that's done it for a while, like there's, there's a lot of varying degrees of like, you know, almost like the new guy on the, on the job is going to miss certain stuff where you, you got some old salty dog that's, you know, done it, you know, five, 10 years. Uh, he might be able to talk and smooth you up better. It doesn't mean it's going to be a better result, but again, yeah. you know, transparency is huge and just, you know, have an open dialogue uh, yeah. is, is also huge. Yeah. yeah. And I do, I do assume that in, at least in part, you're going to get that through experience, the transparency. You, yeah. you, you build that, you develop that. That's nothing you just jump into. I mean, you can listen to others who've experienced which is great. That'll help you jump a couple notches, but it's experience. Yeah. And, and, and do your research, right? If, if someone's coming around, if, if your buddies were, you know, someone, you know, somebody else that's been with that manager or with this guy or whatever, um, you know, kind of poke around. It's almost like, you know, see if the guy's got a Google review through people that you know, right? How many stars this guy got out of five? He's got one. I don't want to touch this guy. It's going to lock us down and then we're screwed, right? Due diligence. Uh, exactly. It's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. All right. So way back when, when you were amateur, booking tours was simple then. What's your take? Uh, yeah, because booking tours back then, you did it yourself uh, via email, and you hoped that the bars that you researched on the interweb uh, 
got back to you and then you map quested and printed out directions and you uh you did shows on on your own um i would say it was easier to actually get shows back then on your own um it didn't mean they were great but it <laughs> it means that you uh, you could actually get into a room a little bit quicker or, or you know back we would do you know, i was in punk rock bands we would do we would rent out halls right yeah or even church halls and stuff like that where they would they would rent you the rooms um would you be bringing people along outside of the band or is it just focused like don't don't do that no but i mean you get a couple people that would come with you you know someone's good if you got merch someone's gonna watch the merch uh you know someone's gonna hang out help you load your gear just a couple of your buddies that are totally into the same music as you and they're just they're totally supportive you get you hopefully get carloads of your buddies coming out to shows but yeah uh, back then i would say it was it was easier um there was just less venues so it was probably easier too but yeah and what about going internationally? Was that as simple as doing so at home? Or what were the biggest changes there for you? Yeah, so to be honest with you, that was all done through the label. So, I, you know, I, I've known some bands over the years that really work the government grants um, to get funding to do that. And then they can map something out that way. Um, I was I was lucky enough where when I did a, anything like that, it was already uh, done through uh, our manager and the label um, and through, you know, the... the government grants as well so it was a kind of show up at the airport here's the itinerary everything's paid for let's go which was awesome yeah go entertain yeah it was fantastic yeah very cool i like that i like that that is the end of this segment we've accomplished this and we're moving very nicely moving right into our next one our next segment is called the wheel challenge challenge right Oh, we're still going. <laughs> In the wheel challenge, I'm going to be spinning this marvelous wheel behind me. And you get to achieve or attempt to achieve whatever task is assigned. You may get lucky, you may not, but uh, we'll figure that out real soon. All right. Cool. All right. It's great. It's great that you got your paper because you are going to be drawing blindfolded. Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Let me just determine here what you're going to be drawing. All right. I'm good to go if you're ready to go. Yeah. I've got got a couple of rules that I'll tell you real quick. Okay. You can't look down when you draw. Okay. It's technically blindfolded, but we can't blindfold you. So either look at me or look up. Just don't look down. Okay. Second rule is you've got 10 seconds to do this. That's it. Okay, nice. Yeah, appreciate I'll be that. asking you to draw three different <laughs> items, but you have 10 seconds for each. Cool? Okay. <clears throat> All right. So the first item, as soon as I say it, we'll start the timer. All right. Is a microphone. It's five seconds. Shit. time. Oh. All right, now the grumpy sound guy is going to be the judge. So you got to show us on the camera here. Oh, man. <laughs> I conveniently left that part out. Grumpy sound guy, what you think? Huh? No. Where are the dots? Where are the color, man? Just give me some Step arts. your game up, Jay. All right? Yes. All right, fair. You got, you, got two more, you got two more attempts here. But this next one is, you ready? Okay, yeah. Let's the go look straight ahead while I draw. What straight was ahead. it? The yin-yang symbol. Sure. Right. <laughs> uh... Five seconds left. Of course. Two, one. I don't think I hit that circle. Time. <laughs> let let the grumpy sound guy be the judge of that. Let's see. Oh, I came up way short. Uh, you <laughs> see what I'm trying to do there? That wasn't. Yeah, no. Yeah, on on the way. Right. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> Not even words. Not even words. Just get out of here with that nonsense. <laughs> the pressure. This is use the ten seconds better, man. So that's right. what a drummer. I'm in the back. I'm not supposed to be in the front. <laughs> it's killing me. Okay, we got one more, one more ask of you for, Can't wait for this to fail. drawing. Can't wait to fail. You got yeah. this one. You might actually get this. Mickey Mouse. Just the head. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big ear. Big ear. No, those are too Let's close do together. Let's do five seconds now. No, this is not. This is going to look so creepy. I don't know Time. where I... Oh. 
<laughs> oh. Well, he's got a he's got an eye, maybe. Ish. Oh, I like that. Hey. Yes. <laughs> hey, redemption. That's awesome. That's Fantastic. Awesome. Out of nowhere, he salvaged one point. That's awesome. I can't remember the last time I even attempted to draw, let alone not look at it. So that was very interesting. <laughs> Testing your abilities here. It was terrible, clearly. <laughs> That's jokes. Next up is our very, very last segment of the show. This one is designed to eliminate brain fog for all our all our all of our listeners. <laughs> the segment is called <laughs> Clear the Air. Clear it. <laughs> All, right. All right. So ultimately, we just want you to be honest about challenges within the industry. Um, this is very educational, this portion typically. So ultimately, we just want people to get better. Yeah. Throughout all your time in this industry and your pursuit, did you ever have a lawyer? Uh, yes. Okay. So when would this become necessary along your path? Uh, you're normally much further along. Uh, you would have some sort of a record deal or a publishing deal normally. Uh, so you've got management, you've got an agent that's doing your bookings. Um, I was only introduced to, you know, a band that had a lawyer and it was through the publishing deal. So it was through EMI. They have their own group of lawyers. Um, and that's really when you would get to that level where you would need one even. Yeah. So for a lot of the people starting up, don't even start to consider that. That's no, that's, that's overkill. I mean, you know, like play tons of shows, write really good songs, have lots of fun, uh, tour and get out of your immediate city as much as you can. You know, I'll use, you know, London as an example, don't play call the office once a month because people will stop coming because they know they can see you next month, right? You got to make it an event. You got to don't play the same set. You got to keep, keep mixing it up. You don't need to have crazy crap on stage and flares and a gimmick. If the songs are good, people will, people will come back. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And then you'll find yourself with a lawyer. <laughs> That's right. And if, and then you lawyer up. <laughs> yeah. Did you, or do you have a day-to-day -day manager and or a business manager and or a legal manager? We'll just break those down, but I just want to let you know there's three parts of that. Day-to-day -day manager, business manager, or legal. Yay or yeah, nothing, nothing currently. Um, okay. I, I, Do you have experience I, with them? Yes. So, so yeah, uh, manager was, it was a bit of a conflict of interest, uh, was the manager and also on the label we were on. So that was a little tricky sometimes because normally you'd go to your manager to get stuff from the label when it's the same guy, it gets a little tricky. Um, so I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I mean, you said manager, business manager, and what was the other one? Legal. And legal. So yeah, those are kind of all combined, right? Like again, to the point of having like a lawyer or any of that type of stuff, they normally come in tandem. So, you know, you, you might put some stuff out and then you get a manager first and then, yeah. you know, might you then maybe get on a label or a publishing deal. And then that's normally when the legal stuff would come in. Uh, I mean, from the beginning though, it's, it's trying to keep it simple. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do now, which Red Arms has done as far as for, you know, spending money on um, getting, uh, video premieres and single premieres, right? Uh, online. Um, so there's companies that are awesome where you can spend a few hundred bucks, send them finished product with a video. Um, and you know, they'll, they'll blast it over a couple of sites as, you know, premieres on certain sites, depending on the genre of music, that's going to get you hits, might get you on a Spotify playlist. Uh, it's going to drive traffic to like to your Bandcamp uh, site and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, for sure. Very cool. Did you ever not sign a deal? I imagine like throughout your experience, you've had lots of deals and maybe even sometimes that results in a win. Yeah. So with the weekend. So, um, yeah, I had to try out for that band. Um, they were already established, had a manager and had a publishing deal. Uh, that's one of the reasons I met with a lawyer as we were talking about earlier. Um, I was asked to sign into the management contract. I was asked to go into the publishing contract. So they sat me down uh, with the lawyer, booked me some time, which is pretty intimidating when you're like 21. <laughs> um, yeah. It was a little intimidating, but really at the end of the day, the band was in, in the whole money to the publishing deal at that point, you know, you know, like tens of thousands of dollars because they had advances. Um, 
and the management piece really didn't even make sense to me to get tied into all that unless it unless you know I was in the publishing thing it was kind of all or all or nothing and it was actually really good advice and for me being 21 he I don't know if he told me something different if I would have went that way too because I was probably pretty I was naive I just wanted to play drums I'm like this is crazy I'm sitting down talking to a lawyer uh, but he basically I said like so what do I do and he goes well if they're not going to give you anything you're going to you're going to carry some of the debt so if you sign into this publishing deal and they're in the whole 50 grand because they got a van and they got all new gear when they when they signed plus the last tour cost x amount of dollars uh, you're going to get a fifth of that debt when the band breaks up. And I was like, oh, okay. So he goes, unless they're gonna give you money up front to buy some gear and stuff, then there's no real incentive for you to do that. Um, yeah. So I was essentially a hired, I don't wanna say a hired gun because it didn't feel like that. I mean, it was, it was, it didn't feel like that at all. But I was the only guy really in the band that wasn't signed into anything contractually. Um, and that later on uh, raised tensions because I was the guy that was cashing checks when everyone else's checks were going to the debt. So um, to the, your point at the beginning of it, did it, was it a win for me? Absolutely. Cause I could walk away and I was getting some money when again, we really didn't know what was being spent on what at the time. And again, I mean, we were early twenties, we're touring all over yeah. the world. I wasn't thinking about how much money was in our bank account. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. How about Disney? How did any of those deals go? And then mainly, was there a takeaway? Would you do something differently? Yeah, so I don't think anything different would happen. Uh, I wouldn't do anything differently. When you get to a situation where you're getting, you're getting tracks that are being sold to major labels or companies, that's, that's through either being on a label or through the publishing deal. That was all through EMI, all those connections, right? Um, they got, I mean, the song that we sold to Disney, um, they had one of their own bands re-record it and put it out to promote their own band uh, that was on their label called the Halo Friendly. So um, we, we sold the song. They had one of their bands actually do it, but then all our, our names are in the credits and the liner notes and then the end of the movie and stuff because it's, you know, we, we wrote the song. Um, but yeah, you really don't, I mean, <laughs> I would I would say yes to an email from my old uh, manager uh, today if he's like, hey, you know, Robitussin wants to use a weekend song and you got 10% of the royalties on that. I'd be like, yeah, where do I sign, dude? Of course. <laughs> right? Like, Let's get it going. That's where a lot of the money is nowadays, right? It's, it's, it's in advertising. It's in that stuff. It's not CD sales. It's all, you know, unless you got a bunch of vinyl nerds that are buying your limited pressings. Uh, everyone's downloading. Everyone's downloading stuff, right? So... Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I would do it as many as many as you can, but it's normally at a certain level when that stuff kind of happens more. Right. But, yeah. Interesting. Very cool. We spoke a little bit about touring earlier, but I want to know throughout your time touring more and more heavily, was it a positive experience, a negative experience, or both? I mean, like, what can you highlight elements of both sides? Yeah, uh, I would say 99% positive for me. Um, I would say there's some people that just don't, can't do it, don't like it, don't like that. I, what kind of person I, would that be? Uh, I guess someone that doesn't like to be on the road, someone that doesn't like to, you know, maybe can't handle themselves in certain situations. Because I'll be honest with you, you know, when you get into a certain band and a different level, you've got a lot of free stuff available. And a lot of it is, you know, booze and, 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 and all kinds of other stuff. And I mean, you gotta, like what? when you're like young, what? It's, it's like what? It's pretty easy to get involved with, uh, you know, uh, more than just beer, right? There's, you know, I'm not gonna lie. There's, there's lots of drugs, there's lots of drinks, there's lots of all kinds of stuff. And it's pretty easy to derail if you don't have a solid head on your shoulders, right? And all of a sudden, you know, I'll be honest with you. There's, I've got photos from when I was on tour that I don't remember. And I'm like, oh, I got the photo from that because I don't remember hugging that giant. What was that? A pineapple? Uh, yeah, it was. It, it happens. Like, but it happens, right? But I would say, um, yeah. I mean, I. It was. I loved it when it was even smaller bands and we're doing it DIY and we're sleeping on floors. I mean, obviously now I'm not looking to sleep on somebody's floor at my age. Um, so yeah. it would need to make sense. But yeah, I mean, I, I loved every minute of it. It's fantastic, and you get to travel. You get to see Canada, the state, like wherever you get to go. It's 
it's yeah. awesome. It's expensive to do that stuff on your own. On your own, yeah. 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 Did did you find touring more enjoyable or less of a headache in one of the four countries? The US, Canada, Japan, or Australia? Less of a headache. I would say um both australia and japan more more was provided and done for us so it was easier um we had someone that was with us in japan obviously there's a language barrier we didn't know where we were going um um that would translate and do all that kind of stuff you know it's like oh, i'm gonna go over here and get some cigarettes it's like oh, i'll get them what do you what flavor do you want i'm like what uh but just there for we had you know a daily spending allowance like it was it was bonkers so it was like all meals were paid for. It was like, if you wanted something, somebody went and got it for you. Um, whereas, you know, in the same sort of thing in Australia, we had a you know, tour manager, driver, lighting guy, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, those types of tours were super easy because it was all done for you. You just had to show up and play and have, and then hang out after. That's super awesome. cool. Yes. Yeah, Very yeah, awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> goals. Goals. We got yeah, to get those there are, Those are some solid goals. Yeah. Beautiful, Jay. That's super awesome. That brings us to the very end of this episode. I had a fantastic time. I think you had a fantastic time, but I'm not one to put words in your mouth. Do you have any final words you would like to share? Uh, no, I honestly really appreciate you guys reaching out. Uh, you know, I hope I added value with some of the answers I, I provided. Um, I mean, I'm a huge advocate. I'm in, I'm going to play until I die. So, I mean, anytime I, like that. anytime I can give anybody information on, you know, some of my experiences, uh, what to kind of do and what not to do or what to kind of look for, uh, all about it. Like, I, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, my girls are going to be into music and it's just, it's cool to, to continue to see the next generation. So I, Appreciate the opportunity to hang out with you today, man. Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly what we're trying to do. And music for sure will not die. Is there anywhere that listeners can find you? Yeah, I should have probably been more prepared. Uh, I would say, uh, yeah, just go on the old interweb. Uh, I mean, you can go to Facebook for uh, Red Arms, uh, Red Arms Band, we've got Bandcamp, uh, you know, we've got merch, uh, vinyl for sale, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, a couple of videos from the last record we put out at the uh, end of last year. Um, all right so facebook we'll check that out then yeah, yeah we'll put that on the show, show notes until the shows again yeah right? i hear you i hear you yeah it's brutal beautiful <laughs> it's just something he does on occasion he just stares while sick thanks <laughs> <laughs> next i'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in because without you guys there is no show you got to learn everything you got to learn something every time you tune in and that's what we aim to provide for you shout out to the angry or the grumpy sound guy. I always call him angry for some reason, and they're laughing at me right now, but it works. You get the message. Thank you for doing what you got to do. Prevail Media Group, you guys provide a beautiful venue and a beautiful team, and we're making a beautiful product. It's been a lot of fun. Jay, I want to say the greatest thank you to you. Thank you so much for everything that you've done, all the value provided. That's Go Produce. We out. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this, then follow us on Instagram at go.produce. Check out our show notes, support us on Patreon, and help us grow this community. All of this and more can be found on our website at goproduce.ca. I am Big Lou, and I want to make sure that until next time, you go produce. <laughs>